Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, maybe the only show that shows you how to close the wealth gap in your own life with the man who's done it for many, our wealth coach himself, Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Closing the Wealth Gap. I'm your host, Tyrone French. Hey, what I'd like for you to do is go to our website, closingthewealthgap.net. I want you to hit that follow button. Also, what I'd like you to do is download my digital business card. It's an app. All you have to do is text Tyrone French to 36260. Text Tyrone French to 36260. Or you can just type in your browser, www.tyronefrench.coach. Um, matter of fact, every time I we do another podcast, if you have my app in your phone, all you have to do is hit the podcast button and bingo, presto, uh, the podcast is, podcast is right there. Uh, that being said, I'm excited about today's show. This is the first show of the year with Mr. Paul Roberts. Yes. And man, I'm excited to be here, Paul. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. You know, sun's <laughs> shining. Uh, people are feeling good after a rainy couple of weeks here. I'm hoping that it's gonna. It, it is still gonna rain. It's gonna rain information today. Yeah, man, but I, I love the rain. <laughs> Do you really I, see? I absolutely love You're it. a Californian. You're born and raised here. <laughs> Grow up where I did. It never stops raining or snowing or whatever. You never want to see it again. Hey, man, I tell you what though. Um, there was a there was a time when I hated the rain. I absolutely hated the rain. I hate the rain. And let me tell you a story. Okay. Uh, I was about maybe 10 years old, mm-hmm. and, man, it was raining like cats and dogs. And yeah. It had been raining for like three or four days. And so in the, in, in the front of our house, you had these uh, storm drains. Yeah. And we're down to, uh, from, from each corner, we had the storm drain. So this particular time, it was the storm drain, was, uh, the water was, uh, was traveling to the east. Okay. And it was just, it was, it was a torrent just a torrent I've man it. and it i had a been. popsicle stick <laughs> and what i did was i took this popsicle stick and i threw it in the current and i just watched the stick just get bob up and down in yeah. this this current and go. all of a sudden I'm, I'm imagining that the stick was a battleship oh, and so i'm i'm jumping in the water and i'm you know and the the, the stick is going down is bobbing up and down and I, finally it went down into the storm drain right well I guess it took like maybe, you know, five minutes or something to do this. But I'm soaking wet, man. <laughs> yeah. And I knock on. I go home and I knock on the door, and my mother opened the door. And to me, this was like one of the best days of my life. <laughs> Mom. Man, she looked at me. Have you lost <laughs> Have your you mind? Have you lost son? your mind? It's wrong. I'm with soaking you. wet trying to come into her immaculate home. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, you know I, I kids in rain. Well, kids like rain. Man, <laughs> she she put it on me that day. And I just remember when I came to California in 1980. I, I came in uh, the middle of winter uh, in uh, February back in the Midwest. So yeah. I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm not staying in the Midwest another day. It's uh, sun hasn't come out in 30 days. Snowing. 20 degrees below zero. I'm leaving. This is it. I'm going. To, I just watched the Rose Bowl again. I said, it's happy. It's sunny out there. I'm going to California. Like, yeah. like every Midwesterner does. Got my car, drove to California, got a job first month doing something, selling insurance or something. Yeah. And I went into the office. It was raining. Nobody was there. I said, the one guy who was there, I said, where is everybody? I said, it's raining. I said, it's raining. <laughs> yeah. I said, it's snowing back where I came from here. There's five feet of snow on the ground. Oh, no. People, if it rains, they stay home. Why yeah. bother? Go. It's only going to last a day or two. I'll go. I'll come in yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. But again, I was, at a, uh, I was at a, in a meeting one day uh, for an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was raining cats and dogs. 
and we're in the, we're in the, we're in this uh, conference room and um, they were talking about the sales numbers and uh, touched on exactly what you're talking about. Hey, it's raining. A lot of people don't do business in the rain. Don't do it. However, a lot of people are at home. Ah. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't do business in the rain. So just based, <laughs> so just based on the conversation, I had to ask myself, why don't I do business in the rain? Yeah, not going out today. It's raining. But it had everything to do with when I was a ten year old kid, mm. and I had that popsicle stick, and my mother chastised me to the point where I never wanted to go out into the rain again. It's mom's fault. Yeah, and so <laughs> in that meeting, it was like I had an aha moment. <laughs> and since then, man, I I I love the rain. Why? Because I would do so much business when it was raining outside. I'll bet. Yeah, because nobody calls, nobody calls. So. Here we are. It's been raining for a couple of days. People have been depressed here in California uh, whenever it rains. Not everybody. Not everybody. <laughs> Some people see opportunity when everybody else sees exactly. dark weather. And those are the difference between the winners and the losers, I guess, here. And so I said, you know, finally, we're over the rain, but maybe it will rain information. Well, I tell you what, I like that segue. You know, we're going to talk about today. Or rain money. Yeah. <sighs> I was reading this article. Kind of like the, what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I was reading this article by the Washington Post, man. It came out back in November, uh, November 2023. And they were talking about the importance of having an inheritance. And so for me, even today, the word of the day is inheritance. Because it literally, that, that single word is the difference between income inequality and poverty or prosperity. Generational wealth. It's generational wealth. And again, it goes back to 80% of the population, they don't even have that word in their lexicon. No. They're not even thinking about it. One in five people in the United States will receive an inheritance. Is that it? One what? in five. Wow. One in five. And wow. so when you look at the when you look at that wealth gap, whether it's um whether it's a wealth whether you call it a wealth gap or or uh, the uh, racial wealth gap, mm-hmm. <clears throat> everything points back to the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind. Here's the thing. I'm, when I say one in five percent of people, Americans receive an inheritance or I'll say 80 percent. I'm not pulling that figure out of the out of the out of the <laughs> air. All of these numbers, you can go to the Federal Reserve website. Really? And, and they, they, they do a study. It's a, it's a consumer study. And they they use they go. They do these focus groups from different universities. And they come up with with the numbers. And again, I'm not making this stuff up. You can literally go to the Federal Reserve website and look these numbers up. You know what? It's funny because I grew up, I'm I'm a little older than you are, probably a bunch older than you are. And my dad came from poverty. My dad came from immigrants. My dad came from the inner city and working in the factory and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And there was one message that they all tried to say is, big or little, we're going to leave you something. We're going to leave you something. Exactly. Something. A house, a business, a hundred dollars, something that that meant a lot to him, and I never thought much about it until he passed away uh, ten years ago. He left me a very nice house, left me a little bit of money, and not enough to quit and live on. But by God, it makes up for all those uh, rainy days I was just playing and not making money and saving money here. I mean, it makes up a lot. And I thought I I I didn't appreciate it then. He used to say, you don't save any money. You're like everybody. You just spend everything you got, right. and you're not saving right. any money. And you're you're banking on me to leave you something here. And I guess I was. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm glad he did. And it makes it – I can't tell you what a difference that will make for the remainder of my life. I have a house to live in if I want or sell. Yes. And the houses are appreciated so much. Yes. You know, that, that's significantly more than I thought it would be. Yes. 
And uh, I thought, wow, but why does that not occur to most? We're living day by day, minute by minute. I'm, I'm not thinking about what happens to the next generation. Exactly. And here's the thing. How old were you when your dad passed away and you received that house? Um, so it was, uh, let's see, 10 years ago. So I'm like. Now I don't want you to date yourself too. Yeah, too I'm in, I was in my mid-50s, let's say. Yeah. So what the study proves is that people around 50, mm-hmm. mid-50s, 60, 70 years old, that's when they start receiving an inheritance. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and thank God I did. And thank you, Dad, for being smart enough to do that. Um, I didn't plan well for my retirement. Um, we all had upheavals and lost 401ks and the meltdowns and other things. And I was always going to save tomorrow, save tomorrow, save tomorrow. Suddenly tomorrow's here. And I don't, I personally don't have much saved. Uh, you know, I have equity in my own house, thank goodness, but I didn't do well planning my, right. uh, my last, my last chapter here. My think dad about this. Sa- help. But think me. about this. You, you, and you said it. Tomorrow, most yeah. people say I'm going to do it tomorrow. But tomorrow. here's the, here's a secret of finance: tomorrow doesn't exist. <laughs> it never has, and it never will. Yeah. The only thing that we have is today. Boy, and, it, and it's just like if somebody passed away, they're not going to pass away tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be t- today. Yeah. On a on a day called today never, when they pass away. That's a powerful. That's very powerful. I've never heard it put that way, and it's so true. We're all living for the future. I'll deal with it then. I'll deal with my dad's death then. I'll deal with his estate. I'll deal with my planning. I'll deal with money. I'll deal with my retirement. All those things. So today, the sun is out. Right. I'm going to go play. Right. But, Paul, that's the philosophy, though. Yeah. The philosophy of the 5%, based, you, don't, you don't procrastinate. Yeah. You get it done today. Why? It's not just some in, in, ambiguous or something that, you know, it's, it's something that's so far-fetched that, you're never going to achieve this goal. No, there's a thing called the time value of money and compounding. And when you understand how that works, you realize that every day that you put off, you're missing that long-term compounding. And so it's almost like you're getting to the point where you're getting older and older and older and you start to feel the pressure because if you know, yeah, if you know exactly what you need to do, and you know that you, you're losing all that long-term compounding, eventually, just based on the program that's inside of you, you're going to act. Yeah. Because what most people in the 5% do, they have, to, they have to force themselves not to create wealth or not to accumulate wealth. They have to force themselves not to do it. Not to do it. Wow. I, I know that sounds absurd. Yeah. I know people, that sounds I, I, I'm living day by day, paycheck by check. Most Americans seem to fit that. Black, white, rich, young, poor, most Americans are on a, on a short-term financial program. Here. Well, conversely, people that live in poverty, they force themselves to remain in poverty. That's a harsh statement because they're going to say, we, oh, I can't, I can't get we don't, out. It's we don't think me. about it like that. But, Paul, I mean, again, you reap what you sow. Yeah. And so it begins with your thought process. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you again, I know... We don't talk about immigrant stories very much. My dad was a children of immigrants. Um, his grandmother was from Poland. I'm, I'm mostly Irish, but he's uh, from his grandmother's from Poland. His mother's okay. mother. She dies. I think we've said this in there before. And so as a little boy, she raises him. Now, she, Detroit has a huge Polish population. Okay. And it, um, the neighborhood she lived in, she, she was here for 70 years. She came around 1900, died 1970. Never spoke, spoke a word of English. Okay. The papers in Polish, the news, uh, the masses in Polish, the signs are Polish. Same right. thing you'd see if you went down to Little Saigon here or other 
ethnic neighborhoods here. She just lived in that bubble her whole life. I don't know why she came here, but whatever it was, she had to escape something. She got here, and she lived in that immigrant bubble her whole life. Yes. Now, why do I say this? She dies and obviously left zero to my dad. And everybody around him, his other relatives and cousins and stuff, they didn't get zero. This never occurred to anybody to leave anything to anybody, which is hard enough just getting by and surviving. Yes. And, and they all worked in the factory. At the typical, in my, you know, I can say this because I am Polish, the dumb Polacks. <laughs> dumb Polacks. And they, all were, they were the last group that came over in Detroit, and they were the bottom of the social ladder. You know, they were just no good. Dumb Polacks. And anyway, um, he made a choice. Came back from World War II. One choice changed his whole life. Was it buying a property? Uh, it wasn't buying a property. It was deciding he wasn't going to go back and work in the factory. Okay. And so he came back from the war. He was now a bomber pilot. He won some medals. And they said, okay, time to start next week back in the factory. He said, I'm not going. They said, what do you do? We're Polacks. You know, that's all we do. Is that's all we do. Right. Everybody, the whole neighborhood. We're, right. our, we live two blocks from the factory. What else are you going to do? Nobody, are you insane? Are you insane? And he said, I don't know, but I'm not going back. And he kept holding out and holding out and holding out. Finally, went down to the factory and he said, is there anything other than this? And the guy had a sign up just on a bulletin board. And it said, looking for sales trainers, trainees. Mm. My dad didn't know what sales was, didn't know anything else. So he said, I'll take it. And he went down and talked to the guy, and the guy had lost his son during World War II to, as a bomber pilot. So he was sympathetic. Wow. He would, it, I don't care if you've never done it, I'm, I'll recruit bomber pilots. So he, my dad gets, he gets shipped to Fargo, North Dakota. He had to get pull out a map. He'd never been more than five miles in any direction of this little uh, immigrant neighborhood that he grew up in. And that changed his life. And he ended up uh, becoming a success and rising, became a vice president of the corporation. And we lived out in yes. one wonderful suburbia. And uh, th that changed his life. So there was a narrative. And he left an inheritance. And he left an inheritance critical to him. To, not just because he cared about me, and he did. Because he cared about it. To him, it was a point of pride. I got nothing. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm going to break that cycle. Yes. I don't know what he got out of it, what other personal satisfaction. I'm sure he loved me, and I'm sure he wanted to take care of me, but there was a point of pride to him. I'm not poor. I'm not broke. I'm not a dumb Polak. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to break the chain, and he did. Yes. but My dad worked for uh, Wonder Bread <clears throat> for yeah. 40 years, right. 40 years plus. And his thing was, you know, he, was, he worked, he worked, he worked, he worked. He loved, he loved his job. He was a foreman out there. But he grew up in Alabama. And I can remember we used to take trips during the summer going to Alabama. And my family, my, gran my grandma and grandfather uh, lived in a shack. Yeah, probably literally a shack. With, with an outhouse. Yeah. With a pump right. for running water. Wow. But they had all this property. Mm. Had land. Mm -hmm. And so I can remember the cows and the chickens and the dogs and, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, running all over the place and the giant anthills. And my dad decided that he didn't want to live that life. Because even my um, my great grandmother, who was still alive, she didn't pass away till she was like almost hundred years old. Wow! She lived down the little bit down the way, mm -hmm. and I remember we used to go down, walk down these red clay roads to get to where she was. Sure. And she lived in a shack, but it was a little bit smaller. So the more the story is, my grandmother grew up in a small shack. When she be when she got married. Uh, my grandmother and grandfather lived in a larger shack. 
And my dad decided he didn't want to have the best shack in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I want more so, than that. <laughs> so he decided to leave. He went to came to California, uh, got a job. He, he did some, you know, various works and stuff yeah. until he ended up working for Continental Banker, which is Wonder Bread. But he ended up he bought a house back in 1970. 1971, he bought a house, three bedroom house. And not everybody does that. And my mother was a teacher's aide. And so back back in 1971, they bought that house. They, I think they paid $27,000 for it. But it was a beautiful house. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward, my dad passed away in 2019. And now he left that house uh, to the family. And what did it mean to him? Did he ever talk it about it? It meant everything to him. Yeah, right. It meant everything to him. That legacy, that, that, that passing. And, and I don't know that we think generationally anymore. I don't know that that... I watch, for example, we're in Orange County, a lot of Vietnamese families here, yes. and they come with nothing too. Uh, and it's all about, it's not about my happiness, just a little bit, but it's about two, three generations. Because you have a responsibility. And again, that's the mindset. Right. You, you could hate your family. <laughs> right. You could never want to be around your family. <laughs> But and you still have that mindset based on ownership and passing it down. Why? Right. Because that's how you change the trajectory of your family by creating generational wealth. And the numbers at the Federal Reserve, uh, they prove that. Yeah, they prove it. And and when you talk about when it's a break a breakdown based on race, um, white people do that better than any other race. Yeah, and I I don't know if it's because of the immigrant experience they felt what the need to pass on or. Or, or they see that more. But, yeah, I hear this all the time. African-American communities, uh, Hispanic communities, other ones. And they, the reason I break it down that way is because. They don't on generational wealth. The reason it's broken down that way, the reason I do it, is because that's how the data is broken down. Yeah. By race. Right. So why is it? why? Uh, so in your neighborhood, was that rare to own a house? It's conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, it's rare to own. It was, well, even now, uh, when you look at how, what's, what's going on in the economy, uh, people are losing their homes, especially with, with what, what happened with COVID? Um, we're getting we're in a situation now where the, the the kids are doing worse than their parents. Yeah, used to be a time when your kids did better. You, Always, you, you straw that was American what, dream. Some, American dream. We're at we're at a crossroads right now in America, and a lot of people think that they can't afford to buy a home. Mm-hmm. They can't afford to buy a home. Well, this is what the five percent understand. When when times are rough, that's when you go shopping. Yeah, right. Um, inflation has to be baked into the equation because if you have assets, that's when your assets begin to appreciate. So if you're in the lower middle class, middle class or upper middle class, and you think that, well, we'll say middle class, you think that you can't afford to buy a home, you have to start thinking strategically now. Mm -hmm. What you have to do is put your kids into the position where they can buy a home. Yeah. And so now your, your IRA, your 401k, whatever assets you have, that's what's going to be passed down to the next generation to help them to buy a home. So I, I've talked many times, about, you know, and I'm, life insurance. I'm big. Well, I'm big. Well, that's a powerful one too. You talked yes. about that. I've talked about this before. Our immigrant story runs through my life. My dad was ch- children of immigrants. My only child that I adopted is an immigrant from Mexico, and she fell in love with a young Hispanic guy. They've got two great grandkids now, and uh, over in Santa Ana they were living, and everybody that he knew including his family, his mother and dad, and his cousins and everybody, nobody owned a house. That mm. was not baked into the equation. They were all from Mexico and didn't have a lot of money right. and stuff. And has he, my son-in-law's gone up and now he's manages a bank. He started just as a teller and he's worked his way up. 
and it, there was a desire to do it, but it was always tomorrow. And I pushed him. I'll, I'll take a little That's credit for That's that word again, tomorrow. I pushed him really hard <laughs> after they got married, and I said, you know, you'll just stay here in Santa Ana your whole life and living with friends and relatives. Now, he said, well, at that time it was expensive, he thought. I said, however you can do it. If you need help, whatever, let's get in and do this thing here. Yeah. And he bought this little place, and I didn't think much of it, but he turned it into something very nice. Yes. The, the point of the story is we all know, guess what happened over the last three, four, five years? That little condo that he bought for four or 500000 is now worth seven or eight exactly. or 900000 Exactly. And he said, now all of a sudden, he's thinking, maybe I should do this again, or maybe I'll... It changed his mindset. He broke the pattern of uh, generations of people who said, not for us, or maybe it is for us, but right. not today. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. Anybody can do it. Yeah. And, but here's the thing, too. Um, what a lot of the, the American dream is not predicated upon uh, home ownership. That that's a fallacy. That that's a marketing ploy. Yeah. Right. And you know, because again, a lot of people can't afford that that home, but everybody can start a business. Ah. Uh, everybody. I've never heard it put that way. Before, everybody yeah. can start a bit. So here's the thing: the American dream is based on business ownership. What do we what, what do we always talk about? The stock market, equity. Yeah. Right. So it's based on that. So you you create a business that's generating a perpetual income stream. Now you go out and buy the real estate or mm. whatever it is that you want to buy. And now you're not trading time for money. The asset that you developed is creating the income to pay the mortgage to buy the house. So why does some group or to buy the house to pay the, to pay the mortgage? My daughter, you know, is Hispanic, and and everybody in my son-in-law's side is rather poor and Hispanic. And that rather than say, we got to get out of this, they're sort of, they shrug and say, well, this is who we are. This is just what everybody in the neighborhood does. And the few that do get out, I don't come back and sort of help us say, hey, we got to do this, this is crazy. My son-in-law went to one of his best buddies from high school after he had this experience, somehow scraped together, got into this condo, fixed it up, and suddenly it's worth double what he paid for. I'm not saying that always happens with real estate, but it happened in this cycle. Yeah. He's now preaching, he's like an ex uh, alcoholics say, he used to go around saying, ah, forget it, I'll do it tomorrow. Now he's telling right. all his buddies, right. wake up. And he got one of his other buddies to buy one here. But that's stuff. the point. It, every story that you that you tell as far as a success story, right. they had to break out of that mold. They I had to get out of that, that, of that environment. Yep. So they, 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 so they had to get into another orbit yeah. of people that, that could tell you, uh, no, you can't do that versus this is how you do it. Right. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be e- Here's the thing. Let me let me change this. Let me change what I just it's easy to do, but it's easy not to do. Easier not to do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's always easy to put stuff off. So once you get into the habit of working out, oh, yeah. um, the issue was not the habit of, of working out, it was getting started. Because once you get started working out and it becomes a habit, then it's hard not to work out. Yeah. And a lot of people can relate to that. Even if you're talking about going to the gym, you didn't go to the gym for years. And all of a sudden you forced yourself to go to the the gym. You changed your orbit. Now you're around people that's working out all the time. It's a part of their, their life cycle. Right. And now you start to do it. And all of a sudden you get to the point where you're around people that don't don't go to the, don't go to the gym. Yeah. Something's wrong with them. Yeah. So when you're around people that's accumulating wealth and you're around people that's not accumulating wealth and they don't care about wealth, you can see the disparity. So you, you can see it. Let's pivot to the the other point as we the other half of the show here. You're focusing this year on veterans in particular. Yes. You're a veteran. You're yes. a double veteran. I yes. never knew anybody went in 
one branch came out and joined another branch. That's nuts. You know, but, <laughs> I, let me tell you this. If I had the wherewithal, I probably would have would have joined all five branches. <laughs> the space branch, and, uh, <laughs> the Coast Guard. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have made a whole lot of rank, but I would have. That would have been my goal to join wow. all five. Branches. I didn't even know you could. But, but the point you said to me coming in today, I said, "What are we going to talk about inheritance?" And not just for everybody, for all of us. But what's the one group that should that has more? things for going for them to, to build up generational wealth and everybody else. You're telling me better. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't see it when I was in the military. No. And it took it took me to get out of that situation and then look back and see the benefits. But the best people that are in the or the people that are in the best position to create an inheritance and generational wealth are people on active duty military, serving active duty per, uh, military personnel and veterans. Yeah. And I know that seems counterintuitive because it's like you're in the military, you're not making a whole lot of money, yada, yada, yada. Or you're a veteran. I hear about these vet, these vets being homeless and stuff all right. the time. How can that be? Well, when you look at what a what the average person that's enlisted, they're, they're, they have this salary. But they're not just, they don't just have a salary. They have all these other uh, uh, things like, let's say, compact pay, hazardous duty pay. And um, somebody's paying for your housing, and housing. Somebody's paying for your food, food and your insurance. The, the, the health care, the dental, yeah. all of those things add up. And then while you're on active duty, you can still use, uh, you can buy a home while you're on active duty. See, I, and a lot of people don't know that. I, I would never even think to because you don't know where you're going settle to settle down eventually. And yet... There are tons of uh, one of the reasons. If there's a takeaway from today's show, oh, but here's the I got it. I got, before I forget this though, again, I don't want anybody to, to get the wrong impression. And I'm thinking or saying that the military there's not a, a there's not there's no risk when involved in joining the military. That's why they give you life insurance. Exactly. So here's the thing: they don't give this because they're nice. They give this because this is dangerous duty, hazardous duty. This goes life-defying duty. This goes yeah. all the way back to the time of the Romans. In order to like a lot of to get a lot of people to join the Roman Legion, yeah. what they would do is give them an annuity. That's where the word the term annuity comes from. I didn't know that. Yes, and they would give if something were to happen to the family, they would they would have this annuity. It was like a pension. They have money for the rest of their life for the family. So even even with life insurance, so you pass away on active duty, God forbid, but now your family is going to have a quarter million. Based on how you, if you have the understanding and the knowledge, they're going to have a quarter million dollars, half a million dollars, a million dollars of income tax-free money that's going wow. to go to that family. Wow. If they have the wherewithal to buy the property, now they can either pay that property off or just use the inheritance to make the mortgage payment. And there are so many special programs. You've hinted at it and talked about it for veterans low money down, a payment assistance for housing, uh, help to start a business. On and on and on, there are programs the government's put in place, partly to pull people into the military, partly to thank people who are in the military. And I don't know that most people in the military know about. I deal with mortgage years. brokers all the time, and they'll just like they can't believe how fortunate the veterans are, or even active duty, because a lot of times they're not really looking at your credit score. Yeah, you know, you you, you can buy a home with with a six hundred and forty credit score. They're looking at the income. Can you afford the Can you afford the exactly. mortgage payment? Right. And then when you talk about adding a trust to that equation, whereas hey, look, you got this property, you, you're dealing with this this mortgage company, and all of a sudden you pass away, and the family can't pay the mortgage because it's not in their name, so they end up losing the property. Mm -hmm. well, but what you do is you transfer that property into the name of the trust, 
you pass away, now you have income going into that trust account to make the mortgage payment. Yeah, and you avoid the inheritance tax. There are so many tricks, it's, so, and it's not that tough. Why are none of uh, none of us, do, so few of us, doing it's just, this? It's thing? just it's about being in the right orbit and, and getting the right information. And again, it goes back to veterans. A lot of veterans, they can qualify to, to buy a home. Um, a lot of veterans, again, what they'll end up, they'll get out the military and they have a hard, they have a hard time in the transition. Clearly. There's a program called the, uh, the VR and E program. It used to be called uh, 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 vocational Reha- rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of veterans wouldn't, they, did, they didn't like the name. They wouldn't participate in the yeah. program because it's like, oh, I don't want to be rehabilitated, yada, right. yada, Nothing yada. Nothing wrong with me. Yeah. So, they, so they ended up changing the name to the Veterans Readiness and Employment Program. Sounds better. You can have a GI Bill, and the GI Bill will help you to go to college. Mm-hmm. Okay, but with the with with the with the Veterans Employment and Readiness, they're going to ask you, "Do you have a job?" And let's let's do what we need to do to get you in a position to where you can get a job and generate income, generate revenue. Right. So we're going to help you either get a job, we're going to help you start a career, or we're going to help you start a business. And while you're doing that, we're going to compensate you for doing it. We're also going to make sure that let's say if you need a college degree or you need a certificate, then we're going to provide the revenue. We're going to provide the income to that school, to that institution so that you can get the certificate that you need. And we're going to also help you with the job placement. And now that you've generated this income, oh, by the way, now we got this VA, this program that you can use to buy a home. The only thing that's missing to learn how to play this game, and it is a game, is a coach. I don't even know the rules. I don't know where to go. I don't know what kind of bat to buy. I need a coach. Is there anybody who can coach me through uh, this process of how to uh, create generational wealth and well, to tap into these veterans' benefits? Is I, there a coach anywhere? I tell you, there's, there's a lot of coaches out there, but there's one that I'm kind of partial to. <laughs> <laughs> and he has this website. It's yeah. uh, tyronefrench.coach. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, it's, there's a lot of information. It's a digital app. You go to tyronefrench.coach. You're going to have so much information. So, but you're also going to have access to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's wow. So you can literally, you can text me, you can call me, you can email me with your questions. Matter of fact, uh, we did a, a last podcast. We did a, um, uh, segment on veterans. Right. And this one veteran called me up and I'm not going to mention any names, but, um, he had a low rating, an extremely low rating, hmm. and he wasn't using a VSO, a veteran service officer. And so the people that were that were giving him the information, they could only give him information based on where they were, what they knew. Yeah. So after a conversation of about five or ten minutes, I realized the guy should be at a hundred percent. Wow. And wow. he didn't know. He didn't know. Didn't that he could it. be at a hundred percent. But Maybe I said, the the, the 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 based on his situation. The VA has what's called a uh, presumptive claim. They're going to assume that just because he was on active duty in the job that he was in, based on the illness that he has, that he got it from the military. Wow. The only thing he didn't do was file for it. And, man, he, what he told me, he said, this is one of the best conversations I've had in a long, long time. Wow. So I'm going to follow up with him in a couple of weeks. And uh, we got him uh, set up with a VSO. And um, it's, it's, cha- it's changing lives. That's what it is. It's changing lives. Changing lives one at a time. Starts with changing the narrative in your own head. It turns. It starts with changing the, the idea. I can't do it. Then it's getting over the the 
procrastination. Getting I'll over yourself. Me. Yeah. You're right. getting over yourself. That's right. what you're really doing. Because it, the, the first and greatest victory is to conquer self. Yeah. And once wow. you understand that, and then, you know, also make sure that you understand the compounding effect. Because th- everything is compounding. It's even compounding in a positive direction or it's, po- it's compounding in a negative direction. And you're not just talking about interest. Everything in life. If you do one thing, it turns into two things. It turns into four things. It turns into eight things. It, uh, if you start down the right path, good things happen. It compounds itself. That's how every human being on this planet started out as a single cell that divided. <laughs> wow. Everything. Too many of us are divided single cells today here. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I give it to you from an immigrant's perspective. I heard all the stories. I give it to you, a real-life example, the the power of inheritance in my own life. It changed my life. It probably saved my bacon because I wasn't planning and saving and doing like I should. And when you tell me about all the programs for veterans, I say, man, this is crazy. Uh, they should go out and do it. And if they're not, there's a coach calling. But, but even as a civilian, Paul, again, the word of the day is inheritance. Yeah, the word of the I day. I want people right. to, to put, get this word in your lexicon. Write it down on a, on a piece of paper and keep it in your wallet. But write it on a, a, a bulletin board, your, your vision board. Inheritance, because that's the difference between um, generational wealth and generational poverty. Yeah. What do you say to people? And I, I've had people kiddingly say this, and I wonder if they're not kidding. I'm just blowing it all, baby. It's, I'm not leaving my kids a nickel. I'm blowing it all. I'm having a good time here. Here's the thing, and here, here I mean, here's the here's the joke. You could be they asked Howard Hughes, um, his, Howard Hughes estate is a trustee. It's like, well, how much money did Howard Hughes leave leave when he passed away? And his trustee said, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't have a choice. He didn't, he didn't take any with him? <laughs> you don't have a choice. Oh. Here's the thing. I have some clients that, that has that. They have the same attitude. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to live my life, right. and I'm going to enjoy it. What I tell those clients, hey, look, at the very minimum, buy a life insurance policy. Yeah. Because you're going to spend the money anyway. Right. So you might as well get the life insurance policy, set up a trust, and that's your generational wealth. That's your estate planning. Just those two steps. And if you care for your kids at all, if you care for your community at all, it starts by taking that step of thinking beyond just yourself and thinking beyond just your life. I look at some of these immigrants that come over, uh, particularly Vietnamese, Chinese and stuff, it's all about, they're looking two, three generations down. Exactly. Uh, we're looking to tomorrow. Well, here's the thing, the, even the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to what? His children's children. Yeah. So if you hate there your you kids, go. if you hate your kids and you don't want to leave them a dime, <laughs> then think about your grandkids. And you know, that's a funny thing because I don't know anybody that, as I'm starting to know people have grandkids. I have grandkids. I've had problems with my daughter from time to time, but boy, I got no problems you, you with my grandkids. You would have to be a monster to hate your grandkids. I don't know. Who hates the grandkids? <laughs> I never thought of it. Everybody loves their grandkids. Well, let me, there's one other thing that I want to say before we sign off. Yeah. Uh, this study by the Wall Street, uh, by the uh, Washington Post that was us. Uh, uh, that was substantiated by uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, their consumer survey. Yeah. Uh, what they were saying is that when you leave an inheritance, the ones that have have more. Mm. It's a, it's a simple and basic concept, but the ones that have ends up having more. Mm. So in the Bible it says, um, uh, for those that have, they what is that? Um, for everyone who has, more will have. Man, you know, for some reason it just left me. But for everyone that has more, for, more will be given, and he will have abundance. Here. Yeah, for everyone that has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Right. 
But for those that don't have, even what they have will be taken away. So wow. not only did the Washington, Pro, uh, Washington Post, when they did their uh, they, they did the article, they, li- they actually said that. But the Federal Reserve actually confirmed it, <laughs> that the more you have, the more that you that as far as an inheritance, the more that it's going to compound. But conversely, what you the more that you don't have, the less you're going to have even less in the future. It gets worse. It gets worse because the, the same way that people say, well, I want to get myself together and I want to go ahead and uh, I want to create a budget and I want to live. I have a, a financial security. But the first thing they, th- they start thinking about is decreasing their expenses. Only thing they that's think the first about. Thing they I'm going to spend about. less. Yeah. But that's a bad idea. What you want to do is increase your income. You want yeah. to focus on ways to increase your income. You can't. Then, you can't save yourself to wealth. That's that's not. You can't just be a miser and spend nothing, and, and alone. You have to. You have to have money to save. But my point is, once you have that that mindset, where as you start increasing your income, you're automatically start increasing decreasing your expenses, because the same way you have perpetual income, you have perpetual expenses. Well, we just don't it, look at it. When like you that. put it that way, I feel really bad now. Here, I I was living the <laughs> good life, and my dad, my wise dad, came along and said, "For him and for me, he left me something. Thank God he did." And for all those veterans who are out there blowing every week's check, as you say, "Hey, I got money to spend. I got. I don't have any housing. I don't have any food. I don't have any medical. I'm just going to live for today. I may die tomorrow." Here, it, it's it's a short term mentality that comes back to bite you sooner or later. I, I'm a, I'm going to throw another term out here. Yeah. It's called vetipreneur. <laughs> vetipreneur. The same way you have entrepreneur. Yeah. Pretty soon you're going to start hearing more and more about vetipreneurs. Vetipreneurs. Why not? Because again, they're starting to wake up and they're starting to understand the position that they're in. And now, I mean, think about it. Somebody that has all that discipline, all that training. Yeah. Understand leadership. Right. Understand chain of command and network. Networking. They right. do phenomenally well in, in the, business settings. Yeah. And they also have a can-do kind of attitude. They and don't, don't quit. They don't quit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's why a lot of corporations will hire these veterans. But again, I'm going to tell you, here's another nugget. Um, when you want to be wealthy, what you want to do is what wealthy people do. <laughs> you but have guess all these, what? You all but, these ways to determine. But you guess want what? to be wealthy, do what the wealthy people but do. Guess what? And again, it's simple. Simple concept. But guess what wealthy people do? They hire coaches. All the time. All the time. All the time. The great Michael Jordan, <laughs> the greatest basketball player of my generation, said, I would not have been here if it had not been for my coach. I could only, I was talented, but I could only go so far on my yes, own. Yes, yes. Well, I tell you what, we're going to wrap this up. Yes. But, again, if you want to reach me, go to TyroneFrench.coach or just if just text me. Just text TyroneFrench to 36260. Maybe that's the one step that will start breaking the pattern. That is a step. That that's the step. Just My dad take went that down step. and said, "Pull the pull the flyer off the bulletin board." So I'll try this. Well, again, you don't have to see the whole staircase to, get, to go up. You know, <laughs> go up, just take the first step. Yeah, right. Take the first step. All right. And I, but this is one thing. This is what I want people to remember. Okay. Always remember that Tyrone French is closing the wealth gap. <laughs> that's our show for this week. Closing the wealth gap. The one show, the only show that shows you how to take control of your financial future. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net.